the thing up here. Oh, first through third grade are dismissed for junior church. We got so many things going on, I'm trying to get ahead of myself. So, Officially, last week, the, um, the uh, Fireproof Your uh, Marriage uh, seminar campaign came to an end, but since I was sick, I have one more sermon. Actually, I have two more sermons. I'm going to preach a sermon on those, for those particularly that are not married. But if you're not married, it's for you also because you're probably a grandparent or a parent and you need to hear it too so you can help them. So anyway, we're looking at a better way of loving this morning and I'm going to call it the love triple threat. Now, I did some research and I found out that in basketball, a triple threat is a position wherein you can dribble or shoot or throw from, and either one of them is um, uh, possible, and so your defender doesn't know what to do. I can tell you I strike out zero. I can't do any of them. In football, I understand that it's a guy who can run and kick and pass. Forget it. I'm done. I found out in the entertainment industry that it means you can act and sing and dance. Now, I'll tell you what. I try to sing for the glory of the Lord. Some people think I'm putting on an act, and I definitely don't want to tell you about the dancing part because uh, it would be bad. In other words, I would strike out. But I'll tell you what. Every person that's a child of God has the possibility of being a triple threat when it comes to love because the Bible has three words for love in it. We are going to look at those three words, plus we are going to look at a fourth word. Actually, there are five in Greek, but we're going to look at a fourth word that is also a Greek word that is not found in the Bible. We will compare these this morning, and hopefully we will help you to be a triple threat in your family and very specifically in your marriage in these areas. If you carry out all three of them, it will in, it will in a very distinct way, fireproof your marriage. And so we're going to look at these specific things. You should have been handed a piece of paper just a little while ago. Uh, That's your outline to take home. We are going to simply go over that outline. I am going to do it quickly. Uh, Across the top, you will find there are four Greek words, all of them for love. You don't need to know the Greek words. Agape, phileo, stergos, and eros. Uh, Each one of those, you don't need to memorize that. But agape love is unconditional, others-centered love. It is the way God loved you. This love asks the question, what can the other person get out of this relationship? It is absolutely other person-centered. It is this. Agape love loves in spite of. It is not conditional. It loves without conditions, without preconceived ideas. It is a word, and I need to point this out. In the Bible, it's a word that's not only used in the way God loves us and we are to love God and to love others. It is also used in the negative. In Greek, it was just a a word for strong affection or strong desire. But the Bible took it a step higher. We love in the way he loved. That takes it way out of the realm of human love. You cannot love this way unless you have first experienced the love of God. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, it is not possible for you to fully love in this way. Because unless you have been shown it, unless it's a part of your life, you cannot give it out. 
That's true of anything. You cannot lend me money if you don't already have the money. You cannot show this kind of love if you have not already been shown this kind of love. It's not a part of who you are. And so agape love loves in spite of. Phileo love, on the other hand, is a love that is us-centered. We we're in this together. It would go something like this. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's two people together. It's partners. It's companion. It's best buddies. And it is absolutely best friends. It's two people working together. We'll look at this in some detail. It is the way that it tells wives. It says uh, the young women are to learn from the un- older women how to love their husbands, how to love their children. It's this word. In other words, how to have a best friend's companionship, partner relationship with your husband, and how to interact on an emotional level with your children. It's why uh, it's mothers, women have that capacity that we don't have to a large extent. And God says, you need instruction on that. It doesn't come naturally. This, these first Two, absolutely do not come naturally. The third one is is a love that says, this is ours. It is family love, kinship love, blood love. In other words, we're related together. Whether it's by blood or by commitment, that means marriage. Or it could be adoption. Anything that's this love that puts us together, and it's a natural outgrowth of that. I don't like the word here, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's instinctive. It's ours. We're protecting. We're circling the wagons. And sometimes when, and I I jokingly use this, is when kids get in trouble, I, I, I refer to the mother who goes and instantly protects her kids. Mama bears on the attack. You know, you want to watch out at that point. Because it doesn't necessarily think it all through. But I'm there to protect. And dads do the same thing. You mess with my brother, you mess with me also. That type of thing. I can tell you that growing up, I grew up on a dairy farm. I am not scared of dairy cattle. Cows in particular, they, they just, they're just not aggressive. But I'll tell you what. When we were uh, teenagers, every now and then a cow would have a calf out in the pasture. Sometimes we could get a wagon and put the calf on the wagon and haul it home. But sometimes you couldn't do that. We'd take a wheelbarrow, tie the calf's uh, feet up, put them on the wheelbarrow so they couldn't jump off. And we'd start wheeling it into the barn. I'll tell you what. You don't want to wanna make sure your brother is watching your back because that mama cow will run you over because you're messing with its young. That's this kind of love. And then there's the last one, eros. You might recall that word in English as erotic. It is a self-seeking love. That love says, and the reason it's not in the Bible, is because it says, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? What gives me pleasure or sensuality? What makes me feel good? That's why God doesn't use it. Because it's not his types of love. The world uses that one. And we're, well, we'll look where it comes from here in a moment. So let's, you can follow along there or you can follow along up here. The biblical basis, obviously Eros has none. It's not found in the Bible. But agape love, and I don't have time this morning to go into all of these, but it simply says this in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's agape. Notice the context. God gave his only begotten son. He loves us. 
That's what it is. It's, it's a self-motivated love, and it goes in our direction from God. And so the Bible basis is John 3, 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're asking you to turn. And for our purposes this morning, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Likewise, you husbands live with, uh, love your, husbands, yeah, love your wives. Okay, that's what it says. It's a command. I just got bobbled up there. Anyway. Phileo love. I already told you about that one from Titus chapter 2, verse 4, where it says the older women are teach the younger women to love their husbands and to love their wives. And then the last one is always found in the negative in the two passages that I have here. One case, it's in the last days, and the other one is giving a list of depravity, of the bad things that people do when they reject God. And it says in King James, without natural affection... Other versions say unloving. In other words, it is saying that things can get so bad in sin that human beings don't even treat their family as good as an animal does. Wow. Think of it this way. If someone aborts their baby, they're not even treating their child the way an animal does. Someone who neglects their children or beats their kids. They're not, even, they're not even doing what an animal would do. That's what God says. It's possible to be lower than an animal. That's what sin does. Uh, it's not natural to do that. But you can get to that point. What's the source? Obviously, the source of the first one is God. He shows us love so we can turn around and love someone else. The second one is people. People being together and enjoying that relationship. Helping each other. And it is a two-sided relationship. This one here can never be commanded. Agape love, God commands husbands to love their wives. He tells us to love one another. In fact, is it gets to the point, he tells us to love our enemies. Yeah, it can be commanded. This one is not one that's commanded. It's mutual. Two people together mutually. And they enjoy that relationship. Sturgos is the family. It is that natural or instinctive love that we protect our own. And I got to tell you, if you're a parent here today or you're a spouse, please protect your own. God wants you to do He says the opposite is you let them to the world. You let somebody else take over. And of course... Eros comes from the sin nature. No one has to be taught or instructed in that way because every kid ever born other than the Lord Jesus Christ was born with a me syndrome. What's in it for me? I want my needs met. I don't like wet diapers. You name it. I I don't care what it is. It's me, 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 me. That's the source of it, the sin nature. What is the focus? The focus of God's kind of love is always the other person. It doesn't say, but, but, but. It says, no, that person has a need. I need to meet that need. I need to help meet that need. I am working on their behalf. Phileo love is us. What is in it for both of us? Notice that it's different than the first because there are two people that benefit here. This first one, the other person may be the only one who ever benefits. It may cost you, but the other person benefits. This one, both people benefit. 
of Sturgos obviously is ours. It's our kin. It's our family. It's our marriage. And Eros, it's me. What is the motive? God's love and others' needs. The motive is, God loved me. He's given me something that he expects me to do something with. If he loved me unconditionally, he met all my needs. He died for me. When he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, he died for me. I need to sacrifice my life for someone else. And it is indeed sacrificial. And how do I know if I'm doing it? I am meeting and taking care of other people's needs. The closest people to you ought ought to start there. It is amazing what I see is that others will go out of their, uh, people will go out of their way to meet somebody else's needs, but if it's their spouse or their kids, they don't want to be bothered. I propose to you that is absolutely backwards. We need to start there, but we work out from there. It is partners and companions. Partners in that we're working together. Companions is that we enjoy each other's company. It's both of them together. Again, it's mutual. Sergas is spontaneous. It's not because my kid was the best kid. It's, no, that's my child. It's not because I have the best spouse in the world. No, that's my spouse, and I'm there to protect them. I'm standing up. I'm standing behind them. In fact, is sometimes that even gets taken to the point where it's out of control. And sensuality or pleasure is the last one. The thought, how can I help you? That's not natural. That is not natural to anyone that's ever been born. How can I help you? The second one is, how can we work together? How can we have a relationship? And the third one is, how can I be secure? How can I be safe in this environment that God has put me? And the last one is, what can I get from you? Obviously, if you haven't figured this out, things like pornography fit very well under this eros or erotic kinds of things. What is the relationship? It's unilateral. If you don't know what that means, it simply means this. You may never appreciate it. You may never respond. But I'm going to do what is good and right and what God has done for me for you, regardless if you appreciate it or not. If you ever thank me or not. If you ever respond or not, I'm going to do it. That's unilateral. It is on you from one side. Fact is, in that kind of love, if you demand a return, and remember this, if you demand a return, it is no longer that kind of love. Remember, God sent Jesus to die over 2,000 years ago, and he has never once forced anyone to trust him as their Savior. He will try to persuade you, he will convict, he will do all kinds of things, but he won't make you do it. He will not require a response. You will. And and by the way, when you do love people this way, they will indeed respond. But you know what kind of response you really want? Not they do something nice back for you, but they take and take that and pass it on to the next person. Wow. That's a different kind of love. Mutually beneficial. I already went over that. Sturgos, it's a sense of belonging. That's the whole relationship. I belong somewhere. Folks, I'm I'm really rushing here, but i got to tell you. Is your marriage, is your home a place where people run to or can't wait to get out of? I'll tell you what. 
If you leave here without that question in mind, you're kind of missing where I'm going with this whole thing. You see, if you are married to someone, many of you are, do, does the relationship you have with them, is it conducive to them to run to somebody else? If it is, you better get it together. You're, you're not even getting to one of the most basics, a family love. How about your children? Are they desiring, when times get tough, do they run home to mom and dad, or do they run someplace else? That's this kind of love. You put them all together. you got a triple threat. All of them need to work together. In fact, is this last one, this sense of belonging, is an environment where the first two can flourish. And I believe it, it is kind of like a bottom line there. Of course, the last one is self-seeking. What is the action that is commanded? And notice, uh, or the action or the command. The first one is to care and concern. Think of it this way. For God was so concerned about the world and so cared about it that he gave his only begotten son. That's the synonym for that. Care and, con- or synonyms, care and concern. Obviously, the second one is, a, a, is being together. We enjoy each other's company. We help each other. The third one is a natural bond or a natural attachment that we have. We have it for our children. We should have it for our spouse and even extended family. It's the same thing that should be true of a church also. What is the result? Self-sacrificing. I'm not looking at what it costs me. In fact, is this love always costs you. If you're going to love somebody the way God loved you, it will cost you. Guaranteed. No ifs, ands, or buts. It will cost you. It may not be money, but it's going to cost you time and emotions and a whole lot of other things if you're going to love people that way. I have in counseling many times had two people sitting in front of me and their butting heads are arguing, they're fighting, they can't stand each other. And I will say to the husband, do you love your wife? Oh, yeah. Okay? If, if your wife was in trouble, would you go out and try to rescue her or help her, even if it put your life in de- jeopardy? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I don't, do you really like her? It's obvious you don't like her. You're fighting. But would you do that? Oh, yeah, I, I'd put my life on the line. My next question is, if you would die for your wife, put your life on the line for your wife, why in the world won't you live for her? See, it's easier to die for a cause than to live for the cause. Because once you die, it's over. It's not a lot of work. I'll tell you what, this is a lot of work if it's going to be self-sacrificing. You need to maybe give things up. Give up a lot of wrong thinking if it's going to be a self-sacrificing love. Remember, God's love was demonstrated not because he said he loved us, but because he sent Christ to die for us. The ultimate of sacrifice, death on the cross. God the, Jesus Christ cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's how self-sacrificing it is. Because the second member of the Trinity could cry out that the first member of the Trinity had turned his back at that time when he was dying for our sins. That's what this represents here this morning. There's safety and stability and security in that natural bond. We need to have that. The result of... uh, Eros is somebody gets used. Uh, Next line is Jesus Christ's sacrifice is the common expression. There is nothing else that defines it 
significant. Husband, love between a husband and wife and parents and kids and all that kind of stuff doesn't sufficiently show that kind of love. It's friendship, and the second one, it's friendship, it's romance, it's all of those things. It's the thing that makes a relationship desirable and fun to be a part of. Sturgoss is, you've heard this, blood is thicker than water. I, I, if you work for a company where it's owned by a, a family and you're an outsider, I'll tell you what, you know it usually, because blood is thicker than water. It's just tough at times. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. And uh, pornography, Cupid is the, uh, the Roman way of, of putting that word. And then uh, there is also the last one. What are the problems? You're going to have a problem with the first one if you're disconnected from the source. You see, if you're not connected with God, his love is not being channeled through you, and you'll have nothing to give. So if you're having a hard time with this unconditional, unilateral, self-sacrificing love, you need to get a closer relationship with the one that showed you love in the first place. That's Jesus Christ himself. His word also. Talk to him. Let him talk to you. Draw close to him. And then you will have the love to give out. The second one is uh, the, 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 uh, the problems come from a neglected relationship. Yeah, but my wife and I, we used to be so close and now we're not. Try going out of your way to get close. Because you may have allowed things to interfere. And so neglect of any kind of relationship. Let's face it, if somebody stops coming to church, uh, they're neglecting a relationship and they grow cold. That's the way it works. The third one, disloyalty, abandonment, being hard-hearted. Oh, yeah, we're kin, we're family, we're together, we're bonded. But if you become hard-hearted and you abandon them, uh, it ruins a relationship. And the last one, obviously, not, people are not only used, but abused. Because guess what? You're not thinking of anyone other than yourself. One quick illustration for this whole thing. Uh, on the way back from Moldova last winter when I went over to uh, CTE to teach... On the way back, I was tired, and they had the onboard movies on, and I watched the movie. By the way, I saw the airline version of it. I will not vouch for any other version of it. That's the one I saw, and it was a fairly clean movie. I I don't remember anything really bad in it. But anyway, it was called Flash of Genius. It was about a guy uh, who, the guy who invented the intermittent windshield wiper. Now, he was a college professor and a part-time inventor. He had six kids. He had a wife. He's coming home from church one Sunday morning. He was blind in one eye. And the rain just was messing up his vision, and he was tired of turning the windshield wiper on and off. So he decided that he would go home and invent a windshield wiper that blinked like the human eye. And he did, and he came up with it. Ford, Chrysler, GM, they were all trying to do it. Their engineers couldn't do it. He did it. But since he was a Ford fan, bad news on his part, but nonetheless, um, he took it to Ford and said, hey, I'd like to sell you this invention. He patented and everything. They said, oh, yeah, we'd like to see it. So they took it, and he waited for a call, waited for no call. His calls all went unanswered. Finally, he crashed an exhibition, uh, exhibition of Ford products, and sure enough, they unveiled a new Mustang and a new something else, and they had intermittent windshield wipers and he just 
said, hey, they've stolen my idea. They've used it. And so he went to them and said, hey, this is my idea. They offered him a million dollars. He said, I'll take a million dollars if you acknowledge it was my invention. They said, no, we won't do that. So they came back, and I think they offered him five million the second time. He refused it. They came back uh, after he started litigation. They came back and said, we will give you $30 million. He said, will you acknowledge that it was my invention? They said, no. He said, okay, I'll see you in court. He got so wrapped up in this, and this is why it's coming. This is why the illustration is using. He had a strong family. But his love was on his invention and his patent. He didn't care about the money, and to this day, he doesn't really care about the money. He wanted the recognition. His reputation, his recognition became the sole focus of his life. He lost his wife. She eventually was so neglected and abandoned and, and uh, not mistreated in, in like he beat her or anything, but he just had nothing to do. His focus was on his lawsuit and his patent. He lost his kids. They were gone. His wife said, packed up and said, that's it, I've had it. You don't love me anymore. I'm gone. And she is to this day gone. See, he had violated all of the All three of those. He didn't treat his family like kin, protect them, make them secure. He didn't spend time together, and he lost it. And obviously, his first love was not God and his wife and his kids, but it was something different. Now, what he did was nothing bad, but his attitude toward it was totally unbiblical. His triple threat was totally taken away. Not taken away, I mean, he didn't use it. He just simply didn't use it. Now, I can tell you, it was a fun movie, it was a feel-good movie, but at the end, you've got to understand, I'm a pastor and I preach on these kind of things and I counsel people all the time. It left this big, hollow, black, ugly hole right in the middle of my mind and my emotions. It's like, okay, this guy got $10 million from Ford and $17 million from Chrysler, and he's suing all the rest of the, the companies, and I think it's done now. But he just kept going and, uh, because they had used his infringe on his patent, and he got it every time the juries kept awarding him. But he lost the most important things in his life. The only bright spot is that he did actually reconnect with his kids eventually, and they now all work for him. At least four out of six of them work for him. But he lost his marriage. He lost his family. He was broken up in shatters. See, all the money in the world doesn't make up for these kinds of things. Triple threat. God's kind of love. Unconditional, unilateral, self-sacrificing. Phileo love. Working together, spending time together, building a relationship together. Helping each other. Sergas. Just plain the natural love that an animal would have to protect and secure and provide safety and stability for its young. You have those three possibilities. They are what are the foundation of any marriage and any family. This morning, and I am really late, so um, we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. This represents, and if the men would gather, please, this represents that ultimate love. God's kind of love. As we gather, you have to understand, this 
Partaking of this will not save you. It will not make you a Christian. In fact, it won't even make you a better Christian unless you do what the Scriptures instruct us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says that when we partake of this, we are to partake in a worthy manner. What does that mean? In a manner that represents what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you.